The following program is part of the Inner Circle Podcasting Group. Go to innercirclecomics.com for more high-quality podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. Hi, this is Tom Taylor, writer of Batman Superman, The Deep, and Orny Wolverine, and you're listening to The Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Break it, break it down like this. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to the A Little Late THN episode 248, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, March 22nd. Is 248 the number we skipped? Yes. Okay. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not taking shots at other podcasters' wives to make my show look better, I am writing the Comic Speculator blog for WordPoint.com. Who'd you take a shot at? Nobody. I was talking about Donald Trump. Oh, okay. Ted Cruz's you. Trump ugly. This is a Ted Cruz's wife ugly, you know. And my name is Joe Patrick. That's at Joe Patrick. 116 on the Twitter, and when I'm not desperately trying to raise the bar, my co-host has set so dangerously low. Hey. I'm searching for meaning as the former manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Make THN great again. <laughs> in this week's episode, you're going to hear our reviews of Hyperion number one and International Iron Man number one. It only seemed right to do two Marvel books because we're going to talk so much DC. After that, Joe and I are going to review you 10. You make it sound like we planned it, but yeah. <laughs> After that, Joe and I are going to review 10 more of this week's comics faster than my contest of champions bracket can get busted during the ludicrous speed round. Why didn't anyone tell me that Night Thrasher came back from the dead? <laughs> I told you that. You had one job. I told I told you that. You did not. I reviewed the book. In number one, was he back? No, he was back in like number three. Well, you only reviewed the first one. No, I reviewed the third one too to tell everybody they should be reading it. I you, don't listen you to you. were sitting there. I don't pay attention to you when you're talking. You know what? It may have been Jared. Regardless. God. <laughs> then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we're going to talk about our picks for next week's comics with the ghost of the recently deceased. Gary Shandling. I miss him so much already. And finally, we check in with the Orca, who's going to review some of his comic prognostications during his Take the Money and Run segment. Disgusting. But before we get to all that hubbub, let's welcome back con season and the barrage of news it brings that Joe and I will watch from the internet because we're wretchedly poor. <laughs> and then we can talk about this week's big news. Breaking news, Matt. Truly. DC Comics just concluded their live-streamed event from WonderCon where they laid bare all of the juiciest tidbits about DC Rebirth. Or at least the ones they have figured out so far. Or at least the ones that they have figured out so far. It was fast. It was furious. It was. I didn't take any notes, so we're just going to read <laughs> off the internet. <laughs> we watched the whole video. There were some surprises. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that uh, does not seem like it changed at all. Well, let's 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 get into that first. The first thing they did was Dan DiDio got up and basically apologized. He said we he more or less he uh, said we screwed up. He more or less admitted that yeah, DC kind of up. Yeah, which we've never heard him do that. You and don't ever hear these companies take the blame for creative missteps. Right. It's more just like hey, we heard what you said and we know what you want. Here's this now. But right. This was like look. We screwed up. He said the word legacy a lot. Jim Lee was standing right next to him. He said the word legacy a lot. Jeff Johns came out and talked about that a lot. And then they started introducing creative teams and whatnot. Yeah. And instead of just listing all the creative teams here, we're going to talk about 
I'd rather just discuss the biggest ones and the questions we have here. Let's start with the overarching feel of what we got. And like you said, it does not feel like the new 52 is going away. Right. So when Rebirth was first teased, you know, everyone was like, oh, it's a reboot. It's a reboot. And then they came out with that second little teaser that said it's not a reboot. So today we kind of have a clearer picture. It's still unclear. I think we're going to have to wait for the actual books. Right. Before we really know. But it does seem like they are still embracing the new 52 concepts. It does feel that way. And not just in the concepts, but in a lot of the artists, too. Right. That are still there. They're carrying on with what they've built over the last five years while also maybe adding back some elements that got subtracted. Yeah, you said that. And right, adding new elements. Right when it ended, you said it feels like they are lengthening the timeline. Right. When the New 52 launched, they made this big deal out of the fact that it was only five years. Right. The whole DC universe smashed into five years. Which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And now it seems like they are stretching that five-year timeline out a bit to flesh out some more history to add back that sense of legacy. Again, we don't have full details, but they kicked off with Batman. Of course. The biggest shock we saw there was probably Detective Comics being a Batman and Batwoman title, leading a team with Tim Drake as Red Robin, not Robin. But in a much better costume, more reminiscent of Robin. Definitely a Robin costume. But if you look close, there was two R's. Cassandra Kane is there. We don't know her name yet, but they did say it's Cassandra Kane. The spoiler is there. And then in the background, Clayface. Clayface, yeah. Clayface is going to be <laughs> on the team. Which And they said they were they of course they were like, well, yeah, obviously there's a story there and yeah. we'll get to it. We'll get to that. So that's interesting. The other bat title, just plain old Batman, featured some David Finch art with two characters that we've never seen before. One of which they had like a. They have the same. The logos were the same. Right. It was some sort of uh, calligraphic letter. It yeah. was an R or a B it or a like G a or something. An R. No idea what's going on there. So not a lot of surprises for Batman. Batman's been selling well. They're obviously going to keep that going right now. Other than the fact that Scott Snyder is not on Detective. They s- confirmed rumors that Tom King is writing Batman. Which is cool. We like him. And James Tanian is going to be writing Detective Comics. That's going to be the team. the team book. Right. And then Tim Seeley is writing Nightwing. So at least the Grace, one of the Grayson writers is carrying on with that character. Right. We had a confirmation that Batgirl will be continuing under... Hope Larson. Being written by Hope Larson, a very well-regarded graphic novelist. She writes great books. And a relaunched title called Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, written by maybe sisters, maybe not... Julie and Shauna Benson, they are television writers. They write The 100 for the CW. Which I have not seen. And this is where we get into, this was the first hint that we got that maybe they are lengthening this timeline and shoving some past history back into it. The first storyline of Batgirl and the Birds of Prey has to do with somebody impersonating Oracle. Right. And Barbara being really mad about it. Because Barbara used to be be Oracle. Oracle. That's exactly what they said. Yeah. So we know we're getting that back. I thought it was dumb that they brought Barbara Gordon back as Batgirl, but yeah. As long as her history as Oracle was maintained, I can see past it. They still have a lot of splaining to do. They have a lot of splaining to do. <laughs> but it was cool. Nightwing in the black and blue. That's fun. Nightwing back in And he's in got black the sticks blue. again. He looks great. Looks great. Uh, Javi Fernandez and Marcus Toe are doing the, the art for Nightwing. Uh, Raphael Albuquerque is drawing Batgirl. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's huge. And then they did also show us 
Scott Snyder and John Romita Jr. on All-Star Batman. And yes. Snyder like discussed it like it was going to be like a road trip with Batman and Two-Face. And he described it again like very road warrior. Monster <laughs> trucks, chainsaw, yeah. road warrior on the road. Weird. So they're bringing back the All-Star, which... I don't really care about. I get it. They've got it branded. They've tried to do stuff with that several times. I wish they would just call it Shadow of the Bat or something or Batman sure. Team Up or whatever, you know? I mean, it's fine. What's well, the title's a title. Who yeah. cares? Yeah. It is in continuity, though. Yes. And they confirmed that Snyder, it's going to be more of a villain focus. Right. Catwoman, Mr. Freeze, Two Face. Characters that he didn't really get to touch on during his Batman run. It seems like Batman ain't broke, so they're not trying to fix it too much. They're just going to dial the costumes down. Right, right. You know, and bring back a couple of characters that we want to see, like Cassandra and stuff. Return Dick to Nightwing and restore Batgirl's Oracle history. I mean, we'll see how they do it. If that's that's even what it means. I mean, that's what it seemed like. Let's get into Superman. So next up, the Superman uh, family came up. We got a lot of questions about this. Yes. So they announced that Dan Jurgens will be writing the newly re-renumbered action comics. How do you feel about that? I'm fine. I like Dan Jurgens. I don't care. Dan Jurgens is responsible for more Superman stories that I loved than any I other agree. writer. A long time ago. Have you loved anything he's been doing recently? Yes, I really, really enjoy the the Lois and Clark book. I really like okay. it. Okay. All right. I it just I don't know. I I I get it. They want He wrote Booster Gold after 52. I like that too. Yeah, I mean Dan is responsible for a lot of great stuff and they are going to him. He I will say He's the only real old guy name that we saw on stage. Right. And the fear was kind of like Mark Wolfman. They were going to trot out all and, these yeah. dudes that needed jobs. Right. And, Paul Levitz. Yeah. You guys love him. Right. And nothing against them, but they're kind of regardless. Dan Jurgens on action. Gene Yang is going to have a new Superman book. Yeah. The, and the book is literally called New Superman. It's a completely new character. It takes place in China. In China. Which uh, is a blatant excuse for DC to try and sell comics to the Chinese. Well, it's nice of you to like assume that intent, but that's Gene what Wen, it is. Gene Wen Yang is like a is super big into his Chinese heritage. I get He's that. Written many books about that it. is exactly what this is. This is just like in the last Iron Man movie where they did 15 minutes of the film that was only available yeah, for the Chinese market. I, DC did not come <laughs> to Gene Yang and say, "Hey, you want to write a book about Chinese Superman?" Mm. I bet you he pitched this book. Maybe he did, but I think I know it. How doing. insulting would that be if DC came to him and said, "We want you to write the Chinese." Superman. And he went, I am insulted. And they went, here's your check. And he went, I'll get right on it. No way, dude. <laughs> so we've got Steve Orlando, who's been writing The Midnighter, is going to be writing Supergirl. Yeah. That looks fun. I, we lo- both love Orlando. No mention of The Midnighter, so I assume that's probably going away. It was not in the list Maybe of titles. not there. Uh, we're bouncing all over the place, and, and I know that we're not mentioning all the artists. That's because the list that we're trying to follow is... Very scattered. Well, and you can find all that on the net. Yeah. We're here to discuss. But I mean, but you brought up Steve Orlando. I could not tell you the artist of Supergirl. It's Ching or Brian Ching. Brian Ching. Yeah. Was one of them. Looks really good. Yeah. And then they talked about Wonder Woman. And so the rumor up until this point was that Marguerite Bennett was going to yeah. write the Wonder Woman rebirth. Like Bleeding Cool said that's like 95%. And then like two days ago, Bleeding Cool said, nope, something's different. Yeah. Something's changed. And he was right. The artist of Wonder Woman is going to be Liam Sharp. He's a good artist. He's been around for many years. But returning to DC and Wonder Woman is Greg Rucka. So cool. 
That's Greg, big news. Greg Rucka wrote my favorite Wonder Woman run easily. It yeah, I love that run of Wonder Woman. Wonderful. And that guy understands strong superheroines like nobody's business. I am. I'm a little bummed that it wasn't Marguerite Bennett. I'm fine with it. I don't dislike Marguerite Bennett, but I love Greg Rucka there. I absolutely love it. Nicola Scott's going to be working on it too. She is fantastic. Yeah, this was an interesting one. Uh, it's one of the bi-weekly books, so it's going to come out twice a month. And so all of the books that are coming out twice a month are going to have artistic teams. Right. And But what's different about this one is that the book's going to have two storylines running at the same time, but they're going to be odd and even issues. Right. And so Liam Sharp is going to draw half of them in the modern day, and then the other half are going to be drawn by Nicola Scott, and it's going to be like Wonder Woman Year One. Right. And, and it looks it looks great. Super cool. It looks really cool. The costume is different. Uh, the modern Wonder Woman costume has changed. You know, up until now it was that Cliff Chang. They got rid of the gold, right. right? It was blue and silver. It looks a little more Spartan now. And it's it, it, it looks like the Gal Gadot Wonder Woman costume from the movie where it's armor. Right. Uh, but it's back to the classic red and gold. Yeah. But she looks fantastic. I thought it looked cool. Sword, shield, lasso. She looks great. Let's you, talk about Superboy for a second. Okay. Because, there's a there's a book. Uh, there's a book coming out called Super Sons. Right. And it's and Jeff Johns described it as the son of Batman and the son of Superman teaming up. So it looks like we're getting rid of Connor Kent. Right. He, like the Connor Kent as we know him is like the clone of Lex and Superman is going away. This they showed a preview image of a little kid, glasses, un, you know, undoing his shirt with an S under it. Super yeah, super this boy is costume. Lois and Clark's son. So yes, that's that is kind of the big reveal of all of this is that it appears that the Superman of the DC universe going forward is the pre-New 52 Superman. Right? The the classic Superman married to Lois. And in the pages of the uh, the Lois and Clark book that's coming out right now, the miniseries, they have a son. He's about eight. And they hinted that there was a Clark Kent and a Superman. Does that mean there's two Supermans? Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm full of questions about the Superman situation yeah. because- what they did not overtly state is that the post new 52 Superman is sticking around. That's what it. Yeah. And Dan Jurgen said straight up Lex Luthor is trying is investigating this mystery and Lex is wearing a suit with an S on it. Right. So here's what it, here's he what they said. Superman. Um, when when the older Superman and Lois come back to Metropolis. It is because Lex Luthor has declared himself the Superman, the Superman of, of Metropolis, Metropolis, and he's got an armored suit with an S on it. Ha ha ha. Right. And so what that means to me is that there was no like Superman was gone. There was no Superman, I guess. And Lex took it upon himself. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see what that means, because the other book, Superman, is going to be written by Pete Tomasi and Patrick Gleason with art by Pat Gleason and Doug Monkey, but it was unclear whether and which version of the character that was going to be. Right. So I don't know, man. I'm kind of confused by the whole Superman yeah. thing. One they just glanced over, which kind of shocked me. Superwoman, written and drawn by Phil Jimenez. A new character. They said. Yeah. Well, they said. A, they said a new character. They said a new character. But I heard that. It, I mean, that it might be Lois. Uh. I don't want Super Lois. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe not. Maybe it is I an all new character. I don't want Super Lois at all. That's ooh. Justice League. This is a big one. Tony Daniels coming on to draw it. 
fine. Looks great. Tony Daniels, great. They showed a lot of artwork. It looks gorgeous. Brian Hitch is going to write it. Brian Hitch is currently writing Justice League of America. Yeah. I never read past the first one, but I wasn't super impressed with it. I read four of them and stopped. It's hard for me to be excited about that. It's hard for me to it really. And I'm sorry, but like, there's got to be a bigger name you can get to write your Justice League book. Nothing. I mean, Brian Hitch is a big name, but not as a writer. Not a big name writer. He's yeah. a big name artist. So and if he wants to draw it, I'm fine with that. Although it'll be so late, we'll never see issue three. But Well, let's jump ahead to the end of the presentation real quick just to say that they did tease Justice League of America. Yeah. And they said they couldn't talk about it. Right. Which my guess is Snyder and Capullo. Which might mean that they're still, if you believe what you read on the internet, they might still be like making last minute deals because they don't have everything planned of out. Of course. But, or it could be like a legit, like huge. My guess is Snyder and Capullo because Capullo has taken six months off to do the image thing. And that's why they're not announcing it yet. That's my guess. But we'll see. Yeah. The costumes of DC Rebirth, for the most part, are right in line with the wet garbage that they were before. And I'm not in love with it. The yeah, new Superman being my least favorite. The new I don't Superman like the belt. suit. I don't like the belt. I mean, it's very Man of Steel-esque. I guess. Uh, it looks less like armor, but still, it's yeah. all like, where is the red? You've got a little bit of red here and there, but yeah. like, you've got these huge dark fields of blue and nothing to break it up. Yeah. There's no boots. Ugh. Yeah. Bat- now, Batman's not necessarily wearing armor. He looks like Batman. Everybody else looks pretty good. Uh, the Flash and Superman were my two complaints. I don't need all those lines on The Flash. It doesn't need to be that busy. Let the lightning around him do that. Right. The Flash has one of the best designed costumes yeah. in comic it's history. Red. It's, it's simple. It makes sense. It's sleek. It's exciting. Yeah. And with all those extra jagged little lines everywhere, it just bogs down an already great design. Yeah. It's but that's not the fault of the creators that are coming on board. No, no, no. Uh, the art team is going to be Neil Gouge. Love him. Who I love. We don't get enough of that guy. And th- they pronounced his name on the video, and I'm going to try to recreate it because we've been pronouncing it wrong for five years. Carmine D. John Domenico. Okay. There were, now we know. Now we know. Yeah. And I think the flashbook's going to look really good. Joshua Williamson, I think I enjoy he's good. him, right? He's good. Robert Venditti stays on with the Green Lantern book, but he's doing Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. We should mention, we touched on Justice League, no Hal Jordan in the Justice League. No, the rookie Green Lanterns are going to be in the No Justice Martian League. Manhunter. It's Simon Baz and the new woman. Jessica I Cruz. Jessica Cruz. So we're going to have two rookie Green Lanterns on the Justice League, and then Hal is going to put together the Green Lantern Corps again, it looks like. Right. So Oa, I believe the current status of Oa is that there is no Oa. Sounds like it. They said that Sinestro was going to park Warworld at the center of the universe. Where Oa used to be. Where Oa used to be. And so Hal and I'm guessing the Green Lantern are going to try and take that back. We'll see. How on the core that is. We've got art on this book by Ethan Van Skyver and Rafa Sandoval. Uh, Ethan Van Skyver getting an ongoing assignment is kind of a big deal. Yeah, definitely. And then Sam Humphreys is going to take over Green Lantern, which is going to be- Except it's called Green Lanterns. Green Lanterns. And it's going to be- It's going to star the rookies. The two new guys. And they are the new Green Lanterns of Earth. Yeah. No well, mention of John. Well, John's, they mentioned John. He's in Green Lantern Corps. Okay. He's going to be in the other book. All right. No mention of Kyle, though. Yeah. I don't remember them mentioning Kyle. They didn't say a thing about Kyle. And then- He might not make it out of Omega Man Alive. We'll see. (laughs) And then Dan Abnett taking over Aquaman. I was pleased to see Aquaman still has blonde hair. Does not have tattoos all over his arms. They did not redesign him to look like the movie. He doesn't look like Jason Momoa or Roman Reigns. And that's good. Uh, Brad Walker on the art. 
I love Brad Walker. I love Brad Walker as well. Uh, so they talked a little bit about the Titans books. There's one just called Titans. It's also by Dan Abnett. Brad Booth is doing the art. Boo. Whatever. And this is going to be the more grown up former Teen Titans. Donna Nightwing. Troy is there. Yep. Nightwing, Donna Troy, Aqualad, Arsenal, and more. It says there was a character we could not identify. Yeah. A green covered character. head to toe in green with a cape and a cloak. I don't know. I didn't know who that was. No clue. And then there's going to be a Teen Titans book that is led by Damien and it had like Beast Boy right. and uh, Starfire, Wally West as Kid Flash. I guess. And no Connor Kent. Well, I mean, we'll see. Who knows if he even exists in this new yeah. paradigm. John Boy Myers was one of the artists that named on that Teen Titans very, book. He's also very good. Ben Percy was the writer of okay. Teen Titans. We saw Green Arrow has his uh, goatee back. Yeah. And he looks very much more Ollie to me. Very much more. So I don't know if they're trying to get away from, move away from the show a little bit and return him to Green Arrow Oliver Queen that we know and love and remembered. But definitely their experiment with making the comic book more like the show has not worked. So I agree. I'm hoping they bring back the superhero feel of Oliver Queen as opposed to the Punisher feel. And they were saying that all these books, the twice monthly books are going to be 2.99, which if you think about it, you're still spending $6 on Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman if you're reading both or whatever. But I I think it's cool that they're doing that. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Oh, well, we glossed over what I think is the most interesting reveal of the entire presentation for the book that I'm possibly least interested in. Deathstroke yeah. is going to be written by Christopher Priest. Yeah. Who wrote our favorite Black Panther My run of all time. Favorite Black Panther and run. And wrote some fantastic Deadpool back Power in the day. Power Man and too. Iron Fist. Oh, man. I can't. Yeah. Quantum and Woody. Coming out of retirement. Christopher Priest. That's kind of crazy. Stunned. Stunned by that revelation. Oh, and Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle. A big name his, came up. Uh, Blue Beetle is getting his own title again. It will be Jaime Reyes as Blue Beetle, but he will be mentored by Ted Cord. So not dead. Uh, yeah, Ted Cord has appeared in the New 52 before. He appeared during Forever Evil, but he was like a younger man. Right. The Blue Beetle book is going to be by Keith Giffen and Scott Collins. <sighs> Keith Giffen. I like Keith Giffen. I like Keith Giffen too, but he hasn't done much that I've cared about in quite a while. Whatever. How do we feel? Where are we at? Still confused. Yeah. A lot of these creative announcements, I think they're great. I, right. I like right. a lot of these creators. And a lot of the costumes look better. They got rid of some of the costumes look better. Got rid of some of them the look armor. worse. Some yeah. of them are the same level of stupid. Yeah. Oh, what they did not mention at all, even once, was the Justice Society. No mention. No mention of Earth Two, which was on the list of books. Right now, it's possible they did not cover them all. We didn't count. Yeah. But for me, aside from the creators, what it all boils down to is what is the history going to be like? Right. I want to know what the history of this world is. More importantly, yeah. And I think that that's all going to be in that DC Rebirth special, the Jeff Johns special. There's going to be that character coming from the field of lightning. Right. Whereas that, that, uh, we all, saw it. We saw a cover with all the characters reaching, reaching up for this and a hand reaching out of the lightning, out of the light from God. Who knows? Is it know. Jeff Johns's hand? I don't know. Is it the wizard at the rock of, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, is it Shazam? I don't know. I, I just, I need to, I need to know more. I'm, I'm happy to know the creators. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, for the most part, it's, they're all excellent choices. There are some things that I can do without Brett Booth. Who cares? Yeah. No offense to Brett Booth. I'm sure he's a very nice guy. He just, I just he never got out of the nineties. I'm a little bit more excited now that I know. That's where I'm at. I feel a little better. Not great. I feel a little better. 
but we're going to have to start hearing about what these stories are. And I need to, I need a better picture of what this world is like. Yeah, absolutely. Cause right now it's, I, if it's still too nebulous. And if I'm going to get excited about any sort of quote unquote rebirth of the DC universe, or if I'm really going to buy in to what they're selling, that they're going to give me back what I love, this feeling that I love. Right. Not even if it's not necessarily the specifics of what I love, I need to know more. I need to see more. I need them to give me more than this jargon. Right. And right now that's what we're getting. Yeah. So it's marketing, baby. <laughs> That is the big news for this week. It was all DC. And if you would like to discuss these DC stories and everything you thought of the rebirth video presentation from WonderCon, hit us up on the big news section, the T-Chan forums, where Joe and I have posted pictures of what we rebirthed this morning after last night's dinner. (laughs) Speaking of Joe Patrick, every week... He posts the question of the week on the Two-Headed Nerd forums. You can find him by going to TwoHeadedNerd.com and clicking the forum button. Joe Patrick, what are we asking the nerds this week? This week's question once again comes courtesy of Anthony, currently from Brooklyn, but it wasn't consecutive, so he's not approaching Gucci status. Well, Gucci is for winning. I thought Gucci was if you get your question picked three weeks in a row. No, no, no. It's when you win three weeks in a row. Anyway, Anthony, currently from Brooklyn, asks... Who is on your comic book Mount Rushmore? Now he clarifies, not who do you think deserves to be on it. This is all about you. Okay. Your personal picks. So four creators that you single out as being especially meaningful or impactful on your love of comics. Creators, not characters. Real people. Yes. Actual peoples. Okay. Stanley, Steve Ditko, Jack Kirby. And fourth person. <laughs> Dan Jergens. <Yeah. laughs> he's, he's up there twice. Those are not my picks. <laughs> I'm just saying. Those are crea- those are real life creators. All right. You have until 5 p.m. Central Standard Time this coming Friday, April 1st. No fooling. Looking at you, Harvey Locust. <laughs> 4.30 in the morning today. <laughs> you have until April 1st to get us your answer. You can call the Ziggurat Hotline 402-819-4894 and leave a message if you're feeling rebirthed. You can send us an mp3 to 2 nerd at gmail.com. You're doing rebirth. <laughs> Whatever you do, you've got two minutes to make your point. So, get it done in under two minutes. You will get get cut off. We're not fooling. It happens. If you need more time than that, go to the THN forums. That's where we have all the fun. The show the show is only a taste of the fun. That's right. The That's THN right. forums are where we have all the fun. That's where it's like the show is like the appetizer. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And the forums is like the feast. The feast. There's a question of the week section there. Go nuts. Then tune in next Thursday to hear your answer along with your fellow listeners on the THN Answer of the Week podcast. It is review time in the Ziggurat where we read and discuss two of this week's new comics and then rate them on our buy it, skim it, or leave it scale. Joe Patrick. The Squadron Supreme book might not be selling where the but Marvel's not going to let that stop them from spinning it off. Heck no. Tell the kids about the failing spinoff you reviewed this week. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm going to just preface this. I'm going to prepare everybody for my reviews this week cool. by saying that I was in a bad mood. Okay. <laughs> we're going to see the dark side of Joe Patrick. 
It's not all that bad. No. I am reviewing Hyperion, number one from Marvel Comics. It's written by Chuck Wendig with art by Nicole Varela. It's your standard comic book. It's 32 pages, $3.99. Here's your solicit. Hyperion is back! (laughs) Or is he? The high-powered hero is hiding in plain sight, driving a truck across the U.S. to learn about the country he has adopted. We got a trucking convoy. <laughs> I, want to, I want you to put eastbound and down underneath <laughs> it. Rolling out and trucking. Along the way, he picks up a lone runaway named Dahl, who has more baggage than he anticipated. Dahl is in danger, chased by a pack of freaks and lunatics known as the Carnies. Not the circus of crime that used to mess with the Hulk. No, these are the Carnies. Right. Will Hyperion reveal himself to save her? Maybe. Will he use a tractor trailer as a baseball bat? Probably. (laughs) People say that the DC multiverse is confusing, and they're not wrong. No. But Marvel is no slouch in this department. They may even be worse when it comes to alternate dimensions and multiple versions of the same character, because at least DC tries to make sense of it all. Right. This is the latest in a long line of versions of a character created in the late 60s by Roy Thomas and Sal Buscema. Legendary writer-editor Mark Gruenwald took another version of the character in some compelling, morally ambiguous directions in his beloved Squadron Supreme series in the 80s. J. Michael Straczynski reinvented Hyperion for the modern times in his Supreme Power series for Marvel Max. And now we have yet another Hyperion, one that skews a bit closer to his classic roots, as introduced by Jonathan Hickman in his epic run on the Avengers. But I guess Hyperion is taking a break from murdering Atlantean monarchs, as seen in James Robinson's recent Squadron Supreme series. Also taking a break from being in Weird World. Right. (laughs) Because he's traded in his cape for a trucker cap and a big rig as he tries to find himself out on the American highways. Which they did introduce in Robinson's Squadron Supreme book. Oh, okay. Yes. If you change the words maybe and probably in the solicit, to yes and definitely, then you have experienced everything this comic book has to offer from a story standpoint. Wendig chooses to tell the story entirely from Dahl's point of view, so we never get any insight into the title character's feelings or motivation unless it comes from the solicit or the recap page. Instead, we just get Dahl's internal monologue as she manipulates a man that she thinks is a superhero for no actual reason that I could figure out. Yeah, like how she knew or heard this story. Right. Into helping her escape her family of psychotic carnival freaks. Again, not the circus of crime. <laughs> Again, not the circus of crime. This Anthony is, BK! This is the lesser funded carnival of crime. <laughs> Whatever. Anthony, you missed it. We picked your question for the question of the week again. It was great. In the short time we spent with her before the carnies catch up to them, she's nothing but snarky and secretive. So it kind of looks like a boy. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, whatever. So we're not really given enough opportunity to connect with her or care about her situation. And since our only window to the title character is through her eyes, there's even less reason to be concerned with his quest for meaning, which, again, we're only told about in the solicit and the recap, not the actual story. The art by Nicole Varela isn't too bad. It's reminiscent of the very thin line, scratchy style of somebody like Marco Cicchetto, but her characters are very stiff. And the way she handles motion and action lacks that dynamic quality that someone like Chichetto brings to a book. This is a comic book written and drawn in a way that I was able to follow and understand. So it hits the bare minimum standard of quality that most baseline skimmit comics meet. But it failed to give me even the slightest reason to care about what happens to anyone in this story. 
I give Matt a lot of crap for asking, do we need this when it comes to comics? But I have to wonder why the all new, all different Marvel comics thought that the world needed or wanted a book like this. I'm giving it a leave it. I'm with you. This is a bad first issue. If you want to reintroduce Hyperion as a character, basically Marvel Superman as a character, this is a bad, uninteresting way to do it. I don't care about him in a truck. I don't care about him fighting brand new circus freaks that he's way more powerful than in the first place and could probably sweep up with his breath if he wanted to. And I'm going to extend this to the full Squadron Supreme. I feel like the Squadron Supreme is a cool idea that does not need to exist every day in the Marvel U. They could treat them sort of like they treat the the crime syndicate in the DCU where there are these bad versions of the Justice League, right? And they come around every once in a while and it's bad news, right? They just don't exist well in the Marvel U. They're overpowered. They're basically DC characters. They're Superman, Batman, They're the Justice League. Wonder Woman. They are the Justice League. And it's just not working. And Marvel doesn't know what to do with them. And this was a terrible first issue. It's not... A terrible comic. It's just a mediocre comic and a bad way to introduce Hyperion in his own first book. This is canceled in four to six issues. But what I think makes it, by the way, leave it. What I think, <laughs> what I think takes it from mediocre to terrible is that it's a mediocre comic book that does nothing to make you think that there might be any hint of anything special. Yeah, I don't care what happens next. Like, there's literally no reason. There, I, I was not compelled in any way to find out what happens to Hyperion in the next issue. And because I was not compelled to find out what happens to Hyperion in the next issue, reading the first issue was a colossal waste of my time. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, for those who don't know about Hyperion, this is not going to excite them at all. For those who do, this is not going to excite them at all. Yeah. It's a failure. And now I'm thinking back to what you said about him being Marvel Superman And how powerful he is. And I'm thinking about the things that I saw him do in Hickman's Avengers. Right. And I'm wondering why the hell a bunch of freaks in 10 trucks were giving him any pause. How they're going to mess with a guy that can hold a black hole open with his hands. (laughs) Right. Okay. (laughs) You know, (sighs) let's just think about that for a minute. And And that's my, I think that's my problem with Hyperion. He's too overpowered for the Marvel Universe. Well, I mean... He's too overpowered in a story like this. Sure. You can tell a story about a super duper powerful character. You just have to have the right story. Right. It's called the Silver Surfer. Hyperion. Yeah. Or Hyperion number one. He goes, you know what's a big problem? The Hulk. I'm going to go stop him. Sure. You know? Right. (laughs) Absolutely. There is something he could definitely trade blows with. And I, another little thing that bugs me, that bugged me when I read this is that this is indicative of some decision making at Marvel with their most recent relaunch that is totally baffling. You've got yeah. Miles Morales in the Marvel U with a huge creative team. You've got Mark Wade on the Avengers. You've got all these cool things happening, these mm-hmm. really great books. <laughs> and then they say, and then Star Brandon Nightmass. Right. Black Knight. Black Knight, I can at least accept it. Like, yeah, Black Knight, I love him. Bring yeah. it back. Cool. Well, it's already gone. I mean, it was bad. Yeah. But at least that, it's like, yes, that's a classic character that hasn't been in the spotlight forever. Sure, let's right. do a Black Knight thing. And even the Squadron Supreme. You introduce them. You, I would they have been, show I was up, happy for a Squadron they Supreme. They kill book. Namor. Yeah. One issue later, they are shunted to Weird World. Who cares? Who cares? Well, Weird World is on Earth. Well, whatever. 
weird worlds on Earth. Well, they're Fine. Just, but now all of a sudden, what do you mean? Who cares? They're just spending a story arc there, right? Yeah, but it's like that's how you're going to start us off and get us interested about these characters. You're going to go fight Mordred and a bunch of like bad guys that don't have anything to do with anything. Some people really like weird world. Who? <laughs> I mean, I I like the weird world proper. This one feels more like the Black Knight weird world that we didn't give a shit about. True. Regardless. Yeah, it's just well, why it's mishandled. Why do you need to launch on not just not even minis, right. ongoing books? Yeah, this is doomed to failure. <sighs> That's it. I'm no Superman. Speaking of books that probably shouldn't exist but do, let's talk about your comic for this week. I went into this with that same feeling. Okay, and this is from last week, actually, but I wanted to talk about this one because it's important. International Iron Man, number one from Marvel, written by BM Bendis with art by Alex May Leave. It's 32 pages, it's $3.99. Marvel announced this title back in October of last year when we were first hearing the details of the all-new, all-different Marvel U, which we're calling ANAD. Yeah. This second Iron Man title ties into Bendis's other Invincible Iron Man, but it takes more of a personal look at the man behind the Iron Mask. Maylieve and Bendis have worked together in the past on Daredevil and their creator-owned Scarlet title. This is the first time we've seen them tackle Tony, though. And the first thing that grabbed me was Maylieve's art. In the past, he was known for this very dark, hardline, photo-referenced, digitally-affected art. And while his style is still here, there's a very subtle softness and lighter line work to his, to his new style that gives a comic an almost pop art feel. I loved Maylieve's art for years now, but this, in my opinion, is by far some of his best work yet. There's an amazing flashback scene that takes place in a dance club, and that color artist Paul Mounts just brings to life with these really stark colors. The story is mainly a flashback of Tony 20 years ago in the past, meaning the daughter of a Russian weapons designer. It's a huge change of pace from the Invincible Iron Man book, which it definitely needed. If Marvel is going to justify two different Iron Man books during a time where their newer, riskier titles are getting buried, then this book needs to be a complete departure, and it looks like it's going to be. With that said, this was originally billed as a Tony Victor Von Doom buddy title. Was it? Yeah, but Invincible Iron Man already seems to be doing that job. I was a little confused there. Here instead we get a story of a barely recognizable young long-haired Tony falling for a mysterious wealthy Russian socialite. And while Joe and I have criticized Bendis's team books in the past, you cannot deny that he kicks ass on these solo character books. I'm not sure why I doubted these creators because I love them both so much or why Marvel needed a second Iron Man title, but they changed my mind. They blew my expectations away and I'm giving this a buy it. I mean, I'm giving it a buy it too because it's good. It really was good. And it deserves it. And I, I still don't think that there needs to be two Iron Man books. I, and this goes back to that feeling of like Iron Man is the new titular characters. Move over Spider-Man. Yeah, right, right. You know, And exactly. if Spidey can support five books, well. I sure. Mean, yeah. And that's fair. That's fine. I just don't I just don't think that Tony Stark's got enough going on to justify multiple titles. But that's what it looks like they're building. But it but it was good. Yeah. It so was, it was I really mean good. I mean I'm not mad about it. I should say I, it does look like this title is gonna look more into the mystery of Tony's actual Yeah, it's gonna parentage. be more personal yeah. stuff. Yeah. I will also say that I thought that Alex Maleev has no business drawing Iron Man. <laughs> See, I thought it, he looked great. I here. thought that this issue looked very good, but Man. that's because it was almost entirely uncostumed characters 
running around and talking. Which I think that's what it's going to be. But I just, I can't wrap my head around the idea of Alex Maleev drawing robot action. Right. So we will see. I thought this looked good. I thought it read very well. I enjoyed it. I'm giving it a buy it. It's just on paper. It's odd. And it, you, it just doesn't seem like there should be any point to it. But so far, so good. Yeah. So that is a double leave it for Hyperion number one and a double buy it for International Iron Man number one. Now it's time for you Superman homages and hard drinking playboys to play critic. So head over to the THN forums. That's at thnforums.boards.net and hit us with your opinion of these two titles. Well, March is here, and that means it's time for Joe and I to fill out our contest of champions brackets, where some unlikely heroes will show up to battle big-name powerhouses in a win-or-go-home tournament. Joe, I had Thor winning the whole thing, but Stingray knocked him out in the first round. What an upset. (laughs) It looks like your Black Panther championship might not be so risky after all. Now that my bracket is busted, what do you say we kick back and watch the Cyborg versus Howard the Duck match while we review 10 more of this week's and so of last week's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed, go! Legends of Tomorrow, number one from DC. This mammoth anthology brings four classic DC concepts back to the spotlight with mixed results. The Firestorm and Metal Men stories were perfectly readable in a very classic throwback kind of way. The Metamorpho story was a hot mess. It sucked. And the reimagining of Sugar and Spike was a tremendous surprise. <laughs> All four stories featured great art, but the stories were all over the place, and this book is hella expensive. Yeah, I just didn't get it. I don't get what they're doing here. Legends of Tomorrow gets a skim it on the merit of the Sugar and Spike story alone, which I loved. I thought it was great. Lords of the Jungle, number one from Dynamite. I've been longing for a Tarzan comic worth reading for years now, and I'm sorry to say this is not going to be it. In true Dynamite fashion, unexplained time travel for the sake of team-up has brought Tarzan and Sheena together to protect one of their time-displaced jungles. Maybe Tarzan's. The whole thing was a little fuzzy. This issue is spent following Sheena in her skimpiest Vampirella-style cheetah print swimsuit, fighting evil unnamed developers with big bouncing breastuses on the verge of busting loose on every panel. There's some loose plot involving a magic jungle temple that gets blown up and makes Sheena travel through time. And then we get a couple pages of Tarzan in London doing a Spider-Man impersonation, mediocre art that doesn't even do the cheesecake well, and barely any story gets the Lords of the Jungle a great big leave it. Wait, I'm confused. Do the de- evil unnamed developers have big bouncing breastuses? No, that's Sheena. Huh. <laughs> Doorman, number one from Heavy Metal. Henry Clay Waters is the doorman of Earth and hasn't had an interstellar visitor in decades until... I don't think he's ever had one. (laughs) His last day on the job when an extraterrestrial assassin darkens his doorstep. Saved by the neurotic alien Detective Flower, the two must team up to solve the galaxy's biggest mystery or get killed trying. This was a ton of fun from writers Elliot Rahal and Daniel Kibblesmith and artist Kendall Good. I love the concept of, like, a legit hotel-looking doorman just standing guard over a portal all the time. Good's art is really great, and there are some inventive alien designs. It's sort of a Men in Black meets Lethal Weapon if Danny Glover wasn't a cop, but was still getting too old for this (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Doorman number one gets a buy it. A and A, colon, the adventures of Archer and Armstrong number one from Valiant. That is five A's in that title. Yeah, really just going to be called Six A's if you count the and. 
David LaFuente comes on as regular series artist on a series that I have very much enjoyed, but I have to say, Raffer Roberts' script, while funny and clever, comes off as more of a joke than set up for the new series. I really like this, and Roberts has a great hold on both characters' personalities. I was just hoping for a little more direction or setup in the first issue. Still, a fun read with incredible art, A&A gets a buy it. Circuit Breaker, number one from Image. Writer Kevin McCarthy and artist Kyle Baker team up for what felt to me like the anti-Mega Man. This book takes place in a future where robots have been outlawed after waging war on their creators, leading one scientist to create one last soldier to combat the remaining robot menace. It's a fun idea, and the book has this cute anime-inspired feel. But the art by Kyle Baker, who is an amazing artist that I love, is terrible. It's been, it's been like that for a while. It's I feel like he's just gotten really lazy. I don't know what he's doing. He's going for a kind of super deformed anime manga style in this in this particular comic, but sometimes the characters barely identify as human. Yeah. And in a lot of cases, the art looks really rushed. Like, he didn't give a shit when he drew it. I know. I wanted to like this. I won't be back for more. I'm giving Circuit Breaker number one. I'll leave it. I, seriously, I flipped through the first three pages and went... That's enough. But then you look at the cover, and like he put obviously put time into this cover. Yeah. And Something, then you look inside, and it's like, what the Something hell? Something is definitely going on with that guy. I don't know what it is. Delete number one from Devil's Do. The good people at Devil's Do refuse to answer my emails for some reason, but here I am, being the bigger man and reviewing their comic anyway. Being the bigger man and downloading it illegally <laughs> off the internet and reviewing their comic anyway. Delete is a near future story where the technology allows people to implant or remove memories. The story follows a mute girl, Kalina, whose parents are murdered in front of her by some type of shady government agency. With her mother's dying wish, she asks the handyman, a lovable but mentally handicapped giant of a man, to protect her daughter. Great story here by Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray, and fantastic art by John Timms. Here's the part that confuses me. This is part of the Devil's Due first comics relaunch. But I think it's a brand new title, so I don't really know what it's doing there. Well, yeah, we've done other first comic books that were not existing properties. Have we? The only one I remember is Badger. Public Relations was one of the first. Oh, that's right. That's right. Delete number one is an absolute buy it. Clean Room, number four from Vertigo. I don't often get scared or even creeped out by comic books. There's just something about the way that the story is presented on the printed or the digital page that keeps me from forgetting that it's just a story, like I do with movies and books. This series, by Gail Simone and John Davis Hunt, legitimately wigs me out with every single issue. This was another great issue as we learn a little bit more about the bizarre Scientology analog built by Astrid Mueller to vanquish demons. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really have a firm grasp on the specifics of the plot because we're still learning things. But it's ramping up real nicely and the art is amazing i'm absolutely hooked clean room number four gets a huge buy it i gotta catch up on that it's so good oh hell number one from overground the comic company that promises its readers no reboots and real-time stories brings us the story of angela a troubled goth abandoned as a baby and sent to a boarding school in hell by her foster parents that just gave up on her and i mean 666 the devil's front yard hell very good art here by Dave Haman and a solid story by G. Wassel. He's a mystery person, I guess. Oh Hell reminded me of cult films like Cube and Battle Royale. Looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm giving it a buy it. Hey, all right. 
Batman 50 from DC. Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo wrap up their overlong super heavy arc with the return of Bruce Wayne as Batman, complete with a new costume. And like I said during the big news, maybe even a slightly different attitude. He's got like a he new seemed attitude. a little less grimdark. Like he I don't got know. his groove on? He got his groove back. <laughs> Pardon me, back. Though I thought that the arc dragged a little, this was a really satisfying conclusion that sets things up nicely for what's to come. Capullo is amazing as usual. There's just one issue left in their run, and I think that the Snyder Capullo team is going to go down in comics history as one of the greats. Oh, I thought they were ending with 52. No, they're ending with 51. Oh, okay. Batman number 50 gets a buy it. I mean, there will be a Batman 52, but not by these guys. Right. Assassin's Creed Templars number one from Titan. Writer Fred Van Lente introduces the idea of the Black Cross into the Assassin's Creed mythos. The Black Cross polices the Templars, punishing those that have strayed from their mission. Dennis Calero does a great job in art capturing the look of 1927 Shanghai, and Titan continues to pump out really great Assassin's Creed comics. This looks to be another one. I'm giving it a buy it. I guess. That is your ludicrous speed round, and Skanap is the onomatopoeia of the week, and also the sound of a bro getting his nose broken by the strong female lead of Oh Hell, number one. Now, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and check out the much better thought out and written reviews of this week's comics from the host of the Comics Therapy Podcast and trusty love slave, Aaron Myers. Let's take a look. Now it's time to enter the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Matt and I are communing with the ghost of the recently deceased, too soon, and wildly underappreciated comedian Gary Shandling. I can't believe we lost him. Matt, I know you and Gary both loved Super Dave Osborne, but we're supposed to be talking about next week's comics. Can you and the spectral Mr. Shandling take a break so you can share your must-read pick for next week? Yes. My pick for next week is Godzilla Oblivion, number one, from IDW, written by Joshua Hale Fielkov, with art by Brian Chirilla. Love that guy. 32 pages, $3.99. Here is your solicit. A scientist has created a portal to another dimension, one where monsters rule supreme. A terrifying expedition begins into a world where hope has died, and Godzilla is the unrivaled king of the monsters. But what happens when a baby kaiju hitches a ride back to the original monsterless dimension? Godzuki! <laughs> Don't ever say that name in my presence again <laughs> love these creators i've been having a lot of fun with idw's godzilla you should check it out too it's a good time joe what's your pick my pick for next week is omega man number 10 from dc comics written by tom taylor with art by barnaby bagenda i love that name it's uh 32 pages for 2.99 i presume i didn't look it up but it's 2.99 so it's probably 32 pages Here's your solicit. The explosive revelations of issue number nine have turned all eyes toward Vega, and the Citadel must act fast to crush rebellion and maintain control over the most valuable resource in the cosmos. The Viceroy's first target, Karna, the insurgent jungle homeworld of the Omega Man by whom he feels most betrayed, Tigor, his own wayward son. The epic final act of DC's critically acclaimed space opera begins here. Confession. Okay. I have not read Omega Man since issue number one. Why are you picking this, then? Because people won't shut up about it. Because it's fantastic. And it's the final story arc, and I'm going to get all caught up. This is the Joe Patrick Pledge. Okay. By the time this issue comes out next week, I will have read Omega Man 1 through 9. Okay. The THN Trade of the Week goes to Paper Girls, Volume 1 from Image Comics, written by Brian K. Vaughn with art by Cliff Chang, 144 pages, 999. 
image, you're giving this stuff away. Here's your solicit. In the Taking early, money right out of the pockets of the creators. In the early hours after Halloween of 1988, four 12-year-old newspaper delivery girls uncover the most important story of all time. Suburban drama and otherworldly mysteries collide in the smash hit series about nostalgia, first jobs, and the last days of childhood. Collects issues one through five. Confession. I have not read any Paper Girls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read this, though. I've read, like, the first couple. I'm going to read the first trade paperback. Yeah. I'm it's excited. good. It's good, and it's weird. Brian K. Perry Vaughn. Come on. Matt, I'm just as sad as you to hear about Gary Shandling, but let's be real. He was an agent of Hydra. Look, the guy was trying to make a living. I get it, you know. <laughs> and they probably did have something to do with his early demise, unfortunately. <laughs> Everybody, head to the THN forums and let us know what you're excited to read next week. And your favorite Super Dave Osborne episode. Still alive, by the way. Yeah. This was the theme to Gary Shandling show. As always, once a month, we travel to the icy wastes of Maine to check in with our resident comic book broker and oldest member of Ziggurat's inner circle, Da Orca, for his segment on comics and when to sell them. It's a little thing we like to call. Take the money and run. Hello, nerds. It's the Orca, back for a very special episode of Take the Money and Run, where Blossom finally gets her period. Just kidding, I couldn't resist. It's really where I give you tips on how to turn your old comics to cash. Why is this episode so special? Well, we got six of these in the can now, and I said we're due for a little mid-year review of my recommendations thus far. Yep, it's time to we whip them out and measure. <laughs> little background, I compiled a list of all the comics I told you to sell in the last six months, and what they're selling for then. Next, I looked up recent sales on the eBay to see what you could sell them for now. Simple arithmetic gave me the difference. One of my original observations was that the comic market tends to move fast. Stuff that's hot now can cool off by next week. That's why we sell. When in doubt, sell. If it goes higher, meh, you made a buck, right? Then there'll be far more books that drop than ones that keep on going up. It was fun re-listening to all my old episodes. It's easy to see how I've become such an internet sex symbol. I apologize for episode three, though. In the middle, I get a little breathy. Keep this between us. But fellow love slave and I were comparing notes that fine day. One thing led to another, and before you know it, she's given my grundle a kitty bath while I'm recording. Good times. So next, I crossed out all the other ones on my list where I didn't mention a specific price or give an individual issue number. Tough to measure where something was six months ago. I don't know if they'd be that reliable. But back when I recorded these segments, I was given actual quotes from completed sales on eBay, so that info's good. I want to be on the record for this stuff. I didn't know I'd be doing this long enough to record a Greatest Hits album, so I didn't always specify recent prices. Going forward, I'll try to be better about this. Don't worry, though. We still had more than 20 books that I can compare. From there, I'll give you some highlights. Not the biggest dollar books, but the best examples of why you need to take the money and run. Let's get going. My inaugural broadcast, I told you to sell three books. X-Men 8, the first appearance of Belladonna. At the time, sold for $15. Now, 
99 cents. Because no one gives a drippy six months later. How about we can never go home number one from Black Mask? Then, 100 bucks. Now, since they couldn't get their together as a publisher, half that. Or you could have bought issues one through five with a bonus signed copy of number one for $55 just the other day. The third one I told you, so was Batman 357. Was 200, but on March 6, one sold in similar condition for $118. Three for three so far. In the second episode, I said sell Space Riders number one. More on Black Mask. Guess what? The Orca was right again. What was $50 then sold for $21.05 just a few days ago. Thanks for getting us into all those great new series, Black Mass, and taking a six-month vacation. Dicks. Legal issues, they cried. I buy that but as much as a Ted Cruz campaign promise. Imagine being a creative for these guys. I read an interview with a guy who did Clandestino. He worked on the art for years. The first issue was great. Then nothing. For months. It wasn't his fault. Get them all done through issue six before number one hit the stands. Poor bastard. Black mask? Matt reviewed Young Terrorist number one. Hey Matt, what'd you think of issue number two? The other one from this episode I told you to sell was A Next number seven. At the time, it was selling for $25. Now, well, someone just bought issues one through 12 in near mint condition, all for 15 bucks. Episode three, I focused on variants, Supergirl and the Legion of Superheroes 23, and Teen Titans 75, both by Adam Hughes. It's actually held up in the past three months. Supergirl was 300. I saw a recent sale, 198, but it was listed as a VF near mint. Teen Titans was 200, and the most recent sale was 200. I guess boobies, I like blue jeans for comic nerds. Timeless classics. Either that, or the window of silver these things is a little bigger. Rare second chance, nerds. Take the money and run. In episode 4, I lifted the curtain a bit and showed you all my actual auctions. Superman, Man of Steel number 18, First Doomsday. I listed and sold a fifth print that the nerds say is super rare and a first print together for $115. I found recent sales on eBay totaling $39, same books. All because it might not be Doomsday in the steaming pile that is the Batman vs. Superman movie. Suckers. Episode 5, I round off like 15 books to sell. Every single one of them's lower now. Hot damn. Soon they'll be calling Steph Curry to Orca when he meets up. Let's go rapid fire. Batman 635 was $135. There's one sold for $80. Star Wars number one was $150. Now $60. Ooh, New Mutants 98 was $500. And there's one that went for $300. Near Mint 2. Hope he didn't pay $500. I love Deadpool. But this is like 3D printer stocks. Last one from that episode was Cable number three, the first appearance of Weasel. Was selling for $12 before the movie came out. Now, one just sold for $1.71. Speaking of Cable, just last month, I told you to sell New Mutants number 87, his first appearance. It's going for $150 raw, $600 for CGC 9.8.
Well, the cooling off is already started. $485 for that 9.8 now. And $90 ungraded. That's a 40% drop in a month. For and giggles, I add them all up. If you'd sold all the books I told you to, for the prices they were selling for then, you know that's a big if, you'd have to have them all and the time to list them, but just play along. You would have sold them for $3,921.50. If you sold them all this past week, $2,619.75. That's a difference of $1,300. Not a single book that I quoted a recent sale for in the first six months is selling for more now. These aren't investments, they're comic books. So buy what you like, then sell it if it wasn't great, or if the price seems too good to be true, and certainly if the orca tells you to sell it. Like this one. The Immortal Iron Fist, number one, second print. For the next few weeks, collectors have decided that Gabriel the Auto is the next J. Scott Campbell. So all his stuff is going bonkers. If you have this $3 book, it wasn't even a limited variant, sell it now. One just sold for $225 on eBay. Take the money and run. Kiss, kiss. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the rebirth episode of THN. If you dig podcasts and expect more of their iconic heroes, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And while you're there, leave us your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up, and your little hearts. It helps us to connect with other potential listeners. Thank you to all of our donors. You are the only thing that keeps the machine guns on our Batmobile at peak <laughs> deadliness. <laughs> If you want to help support THN, you can do so by clicking our PayPal button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. And to become a sustaining member, simply check the Make This Donation Monthly box when you donate. Remember, as little as a dollar a month really does help. If you're interested in sponsoring THN, shoot us an email with the subject line sponsorship. If you want to yell at us personally, head over to TwoHeadedNerd.com. We can find links to all of our contact info via Periscope, Twitter, YouTube, and I have an exciting YouTube announcement. We are going to start putting video on YouTube starting today with our review of Batman v Superman colon Dawn of Justice. I did not prepare for this at all. Oh, it's going to be great. You guys are going to love it. Also, you can find us on Facebook, of course. Tumblr, where we post the outtake of the week. Skype, if you want to call us internationally, nobody ever does. And the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. That is how you call to be a part of this show. Yeah. If you dig the music you hear on the show, you can subscribe to our soundtrack playlist on Spotify by searching for Matt Bomb's Spotify profile. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to the Kutcher himself, Black Scorpion 3, who got hit from the top rope by a nasty illness this week. Word to you, BS3. We hope you're able to rally. Take that sickness to the mat, brother. Wrestling references. Wrestling reference. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just come off the top rope and smack you with an elbow. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off.